M A I N M U N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for the week of October 26th through November 1, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner, and very glad that you could join us today here on Main Menu. We always appreciate having you with us, whether you're a returning listener or a new listener. We are always pleased when you come and join us here on Main Menu. Well, what a week it has been in the technology field this past week. And clear up through today, it's been an unbelievable week of new things things in the technology field. If you look back, we can go back to this past Monday, the 22nd, and uh, Monday afternoon, late in the afternoon, Freedom Scientific hosted the release of JAWS 14, and then on Wednesday came out with the formal announcement of the release of JAWS 14, the actual release, and also on October 24th, they also came out with the formal release that Magic 12 was out and we'll be talking about those over the coming weeks and we as you know we've already had a couple of things about jaws 14 and we'll be covering magic 12's release also here in the near future then on tuesday the 23rd apple announced their soon coming release of the apple ipad mini a new smaller ipad and that uh, then formally released uh, to the public today on the 26th. On the 26th, then also today, Microsoft has released to the public the new Windows 8. And so, wow, what a week. We have a week that has had more announcements of new technology major releases I think than I remember in quite a while all in one week and here on main menu we're going to be kind of majoring along that line as far as Windows 8 we're gonna have two things and I'm going to be hosting those two things the first is a interview with Mike Kern from NV Access and Michael and I are going to talk about the upcoming release in the very near future of NVDA 2012 release 3 and we talk about NVDA's coverage of Windows 8 and all the things that they have done to bring you the best in access to the latest features in Windows 8 both the keyboard access and touchscreen access which is a big thing in Windows 8 and then after the interview with Michael I'm going to give you a brief basic introduction to Windows 8 we're going to look at some of the new features we're going to look at what's accessible and what maybe could use a little more work and to become more accessible and some things that maybe uh, need a considerable amount of work before they become really accessible that's all coming up here today though on main menu coverage of NVDA and Windows 8 and as we are going down through the next few weeks you'll be hearing a lot about the other things that have been released this week more about JAWS 14 more about Magic 12 and more about the iPad mini that will all be coming up in the coming weeks along with a lot of other things so you don't want to miss it you don't want to miss out on main menu be sure you're here every week so you can hear the latest let's get right on in now to the interview with Michael Kern and what's the latest with NVDA (laughs) 
I am very happy to have back with us again on Main Menu today, Mr. Michael Kern. Michael is the founder and president of Envy Access and also uh, one of the lead developers of NVDA, Non-Visual Desktop Access Screen Reader for Windows. And Michael's been on with us before, and we always appreciate having him come and talk to us about what the latest is with uh, NVDA and NV Access. And uh, Michael, the last time you and I talked was back, I think, around our first part of June when uh, the released 2012 release 2 came out and I understand we're about to get a release number 3 here for too long. Uh, I know that you were already working on developing NVDA and getting access to Windows 8 and we're right up on top of that coming out to the general public. So welcome. It's going to be good to hear your update. Thanks for having me on the show again. Um, Yeah, so we're um, working on 2012 12.3 at the moment and um, I guess one of the, the big things that we are of course concentrating on is is to make sure that we're all ready for, for Windows 8 um, probably most of our Windows 8 work though was was done before 2012.2 um, because the, the biggest I guess headaches were about getting access to what they used to call the Metro UI now it's all the modern UI I think um, we did have some more work to do which is in 2012.3 and that is really in relation to um, touchscreen support and I think we did cover this last time but, but briefly um, there will be tablet PCs sold with Windows 8 uh, with a touchscreen and probably no keyboard and so um, we need to make sure that it's possible to use NVDA um, completely just using the touchscreen. So the um, the experience is going to be rather like what people would be used to on Apple iOS products, iPhone iPad. Um, so many similar similar gestures um, in order to control NVDA and also just, just read, you know, read text and controls under under your finger as you move around. So that work is pretty much all done. I will say though that it is still, even though it will be in 2012.3, it is still experimental in the sense that um, some of the gestures over the next few releases may change or we may add more um, because this is, you know, this is all rather new stuff um, and, you know, supporting touch for Windows is a is a new concept. So you know, we don't want to be stuck on exactly what, what, what we've decided to do in the last few months. We'll, you know, we'll change it as we realise, you know, there are better ways of doing things. Um, there were a few other little changes we have made in 2012.3 for Windows 8. Better support for the um, Windows 8 start screen. Uh, so as you move around, the, the tiles on the start screen now reads the status of those. So, for instance, if you move to your mail tile, it will, it will read the, I think it shows you the, um, the subject of the, the last unread email. Um, and Or, for example, if you move to the calendar tile, it tells you the, the date um, or the weather one. I think it, it will tell you the current weather, things like that. So we support that now. It's also a little less verbose. Um, 2012.2 used to sort of say things like not selected and things like that when you moved on to those tiles. So we've reversed that logic. So um, so it doesn't it doesn't do that anymore. But 2012.3 is probably going to come out maybe towards the end of October if we're if we're on time. There are um, many other other changes for 2012.3 which I can go through if you like. So the first big thing is support for Asian character input. So we've supported many different languages over um, in NVDA over the years. We support about 38 different different languages, and usually to support a language, it just means that our NVDA interface needs to you know have be able to show messages in in that language. Um, there needs to be speech synthesizers available to speak in which 
that's all quite simple. So we can pretty easily support these many languages which, with the help of volunteer translators. But for uh, some Asian languages, uh, such as um, Chinese or Japanese, uh, it's a little bit more complex because actually typing uh, in Chinese or Japanese is not as simple as sim- uh, just typing in, in English or, or a Latin-based language where you just, you know, every every key you type uh, equates to one character. In in Chinese or Japanese or Korean, uh, every time you, you type something, um, you... You then have to choose from a list of particular pictographic symbols because there are so many different um, characters. So, for instance, in Chinese, there's about 60,000 different um, characters in, in traditional Chinese. So there's a lot of choosing. So um, to really support this for, for these languages, we've had to do a lot of work in supporting um, what they call composition strings and candidate lists and reading strings. And there's all these concepts that most people, you know, who, who don't deal with Asian languages don't need to know about. But it's extremely important for those who choose to type in, um, as a said Chinese, Japanese or Korean. So thanks to some funding from uh, the Taiwan Digital Talking Books Association and the Hong Kong Blind Union, uh, this funding has uh, been provided to NV Access so that um, we're, we're able to uh, work on these specific features. And this will not only help just people in these countries, but also, you know, I mean, if maybe you're a student in the US learning Chinese or Japanese or something, this will also be really useful. So the official NVDA, the normal international NVDA will will come with uh, this, this support. So 2012.3, you will be able to type um, these these Asian languages uh, in in all the operating systems that we support. So that's the first um, real big thing. The next thing is um, table navigation for lists. So if you're in a, a list, you may be in Windows Explorer or Task Manager or something like that. In 2012.3, it's now possible to move across the columns of the list using table navigation commands. So for instance, if I open Task Manager and I can see um, you know, if I just move move uh, down the items, it says a lot of stuff all, all on one line. But if I then use Control Alt Right Arrow, I can move across the column so I can read the username, what the CPU is, um, the memory, and things like that. And I can uh, those individual columns. I can also use Control Alt Up and Arrow to move specifically up and down one particular column as well. A table navigation for lists. Um, I've already mentioned touch screens in Windows 8 and um, things. Um, sticky keys. Uh, so people may be aware of the sticky keys feature in Windows, which is for people who can only use either one, um, you know, maybe they can only use one hand or maybe they can't use any hands and perhaps they type with a, um, you know, a head pointing device or something like that. Um, Sticky keys allows you to, for instance, press the control Control key once and it stays down and then you press it again to bring it up because you can't use both hands to do that. Um, we've added support uh, in NVDA so that the NVDA key also um, will be uh, a sticky key if sticky keys are enabled. So this allows people who can't use their hands to to much better use um, NVDA. We have support for many more Braille displays in this release, including the HIMS Braille Sense, Braille Edge and Sync Braille, um, the uh, Seika displays um, from Nippon Telesoft and some newer versions of the Papenmeyer displays. Um, also, we have updated our Freedom Scientific Focus um, Braille display driver to um, support many more features. So, But they have, all, compared to the PacMate displays, they've, they've got a lot more buttons and things. Um, we support all of those now and also certain dot combinations to do particular things like tabbing or to bring up the start menu and things like that are now supported. Um, also, in relation to Braille, we have quite a few more Braille tables and a lot of the older Braille tables have also been fixed. So for a lot of um, particular languages, I can't remember the exact languages, but there were some that were showing 
showing some very strange characters and things like that. So that's all been and been fixed. Um, it's worth pointing out that we don't particularly work on the the Braille tables and the Braille translation code that comes from another library called called Liblui, but um, we, we do we do work closely with that project to make sure that that's all updated. Thanks to of course our ongoing um, support from Adobe uh, through funding and also some now we've been receiving some support from the Access for All Foundation, the PDF Association. We've been able to work on Adobe Reader support um, and really improve things there. Um, so now we in 2012.3 you'll be able to have much better access to table headers in, in tables in Adobe Reader. Um, table summaries are now shown. Um, in Adobe Reader 10.1 it's now possible to read um, formatting information so you know pressing NVIDIA F uh, will tell you the formatting of a of a reader document. This used to work for Reader 10.1 but Adobe actually uh, broke something so we had to uh, do some workarounds there but we've managed to do that. Um, it will automatically read uh, if you have this enabled page numbers in Adobe Reader as well now. Uh, co uh, column and row spans are handled better now. Um, so lots and lots of work done in Adobe Reader um, to make PDFs much more accessible in general but it's also worth pointing out that we're working uh, closely with the PDF Association and Access for All to enhance our PDF support so that we support the new PDF UA specification which is a sort of a, a new specification for making very accessible PDFs um, and so obviously the, the hope is that you know most PDF creation tools would um, soon be creating these these new accessible PDF UA documents. Um, I believe that PDF UA will be becoming a an official uh, ISO standard uh, at the end of this year I think so so we're working closely with these organizations to make sure that NVDA supports all these features. We have a reset to factory default uh, option in NVDA now so you've always been able to revert your configuration uh, you know if you made accidentally made a change or something that you don't like you could always press control NVDA R. Now it's possible to press that twice quickly to reset back to the factory defaults like if you had no configuration at all um, and that's useful if you you know if you've really broken something you've gone to the wrong synthesizer that doesn't work and you've you know <laughs> got no speech at all and things like that that might be useful <laughs> oh, i haven't done that in a week or two <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so, so that's that's there now um and now if you do accidentally press this if you press so if you accidentally press control nvda r twice and you go oh no it's gone back to its factory defaults as long as you don't save your settings or quit nvda you can press control nvda r again it will actually revert to your you know the the, the um the settings you did have before you press that so okay. you can okay. you know if you accidentally do that you know which is good because otherwise oh, yeah. Yeah. um so uh also now in, in 2012.2 we we of course added support for nvda add-ons which was a much better way of bundling you know new app modules or synth drivers or, or other custom um code and, and these add-ons have proven quite popular most of the older customizations and things on the web have now been converted to nvda add-ons but we thought we'd make it a little bit more easier to install them of course we have the add-ons manager but now in 2012.3 it's possible to simply um, press enter on an NVDA add-on anywhere on your system and NVDA will ask you whether you want to install it. So this, of course, though, you need to install NVDA on your system. You can't use a portable version for that particular feature okay. um, because it has to be installed so, so that it's all registered on your system. So, mm -hmm. you know, Windows Explorer knows to, to contact NVDA. But that's that's quite a, a useful feature now. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go into the add-ons manager as much anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, save settings on exit. Um, that has always been off by default. We've chosen now to turn that on by default. This won't affect ex existing configurations, but for those who start using NVDA uh, for the first time or you have a new configuration, now if you make some changes, you quit NVDA, it will remember them straight away without having to, to save. A lot of people had requested this, um, so so we've done that. Some people sometimes change their NVDA desktop shortcut if they don't like Control-Alt-N, you know, they for some reason might want Control-Alt-O or something. If you install NVDA or update NVDA, it doesn't uh, clobber that shortcut keys now, so if you have changed, it will stay uh, changed, which is useful. 
Um, for those who use the Blio ebook reader, uh, we have much better Braille support for that now in 2012.3. Uh, um, we've improved our support for the Microsoft Word spell checker. Um, previously, and I'm surprised we never noticed this, if you install MVDA on your system, uh, the spell checker never worked quite well. It always worked with the portable version, but not with the installer version. This is only on um, Windows Vista and 7 because of security uh, restrictions. But now we've, we've overcome that and the spell checker will work in all those scenarios, which is good. We've done a few security fixes. It's now, if you lock your computer, it's now impossible to to use the Braille display. Like before, it was possible to to sort of you know use some Braille commands to get around your system while your computer was locked, and that's a very big security risk. So um, we've fixed that. Uh, if you have programs that um, you know automatically speak using MVDA or automatically Braille messages, they also won't be shown while the computer is locked as well, which is good. Um, while you're in a web document in browse mode, if there are changes to the document, they will be reflected on the Braille display now. So in uh, in 2012.2, we'd improved cell coordinates in Excel. You, um, the coordinates are now spoken after the the uh, the content of the cell, um, and they can also be turned off if you wish in um, document formatting settings. But uh, there was a bug introduced where coordinates never showed up in in Braille. We have uh, fixed that now. So if you are using a Braille display, you can again see your cell coordinates in Excel. Um, there was one or two other small fixes to Microsoft Word to do with lists. Uh, um, really, that's that's all the changes. I mean, there are a lot of them. We're, we're really surprised mm -hmm. with how many things we fitted into 2012.3. Wow, well, it sounds um, like it. <laughs> at least, um, but yeah, no, no. It's, it's. I think it'll be. I think it'll be good, and I think it's so. So it'll be coming out at hope at the end of October. Okay. Have you started looking at any of uh, 2013 yet? Yes, we had a very quick look at Microsoft Word. Um, it was very broken. Um, 2012.3 will be able to, uh, you know, work with Microsoft Word documents as far as just sort of reading and writing goes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we did have to make a big change because Microsoft has done something with UI automation and it's sort of broken quite a lot of logic and stuff. Um, so we had to make some changes there. Um, but look, I can't promise that a lot of features will work in 2013. That was only the, the one change mm -hmm, we've managed to mm -hmm. actually look at specifically. But um, has so. Has it pretty much went to a metro app at this point? Or? No, 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 it's it's not actually. It's okay. still a normal. Um, I, I'm not really sure what 2013 is actually sort of really, you know, what, what it's sort of branding is supposed to be because it's very it's very online. It's very connected with your live account and things like that, um, okay. uh, your Windows live account. But, but at the same time, it's still a normal desktop application. So okay. I think, think they're in a sort of a twilight zone between <laughs> online and desktop and they're still working out, you know, what, what, what their customers want. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, you will be able to use most of the features of Microsoft Word 2013, but I can't promise anything for any of the other sure, apps yet. Sure, sure. Well, I was just kind of curious because it sounds like I thought it wasn't coming out until next year. Now it sounds like it's actually maybe up before the end of the year. I suppose, yeah, I don't know any of the dates. I don't know. I, I just got access to the, the public preview. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I was bored a few weeks ago and <laughs> decided to try it out and I went, oh, <laughs> hang on, I ain't reading it all. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, made a few quick changes just to make sure that we had some basics of all that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I, I'm curious on the, uh, uh, you said something about about uh, some changes that made Leo and Braille support better. What about some of the other uh, book readers? Are you finding any of those that uh, are, are working fairly well? Or we support uh, Adobe Digital Editions. Um, so we, and of course, because with our collaboration and, sure. you know, we, we, and funding from Adobe, we, we focus on that very heavily. And so that's that's one ebook reader you can use. Um, I do hear of people using Kindle for PC. To be honest, I've never actually tried it. They do. I think they say in their documentation that they support. NVDA, and I don't really know what that means. I haven't actually looked, um, but some people know that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, I don't know of too many other ebook readers. There is a, I think 
there's, a, there's an EPUB reader add-on for Firefox, I think, <laughs> that we work with. The uh, touchscreen support, uh, I know you were talking about you were you doing some bit of, of development on, uh, I believe it was a Samsung Slate, and how does that going? Yeah, no, that, that's going going well. So, you know, we've, we've gotten to a point, so as we say, it is in 2012.3, but it is experimental. But I mean, look, so far you can do all your object navigation by using um, flick gestures. So mm-hmm. that's sort of pretty much the same as iOS or Mac trackpads. Mm-hmm. Um, you can move your finger around the screen and read the text or controls directly under your finger. And there's a few other NVDA commands, such as bringing up the NVDA menu and things like that. We do have a, a podcast, an NVDA podcast, which did uh, our last one, which, which does go into, um, it gives a quick demo of using a touchscreen with NVDA. Do you see a lot of tablets actually coming out yet? I, I haven't really heard of many, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure there are a few, but um, I think we do need to make the distinction between um, there will be tablet PCs, uh, which are uh, Intel CPU-based. They are the ones that we will be able to run on if they're running the normal Windows 8. So, as I say, there's the, Slams, the Sam, Samsung Slate PC. Um, I think there is a HP one, but I can't remember the model. Um, and I thought I also heard about some new... Uh, Lenovo, I think, may have a touchscreen. I believe you're right, one. Okay, and I also know, I mean, I've always had, I've always owned a Dell uh, Latitude XT2, uh, which has a touchscreen, but that, that came out many years ago before Windows, it, well, it, uh, well, it supported touch on Windows 7, um, but NVIDIA has never been able to support Windows 7 touch due to limitations um, in the operating system. Uh, assistive technologies couldn't actually access what they needed to to, to sort of hook the screen. Um, with Windows 8, that's changed. The question is more about whether that, that these particular Dell models will actually officially support Windows 8. I don't see why they won't, but because this particular Dell model was made in 2008 it is actually rather old so I wonder whether that will can be continued or not I'm not sure so there's a few out there but there will be also some other tablets and phones which NVDA will not work on even though they run Windows 8 mm-hmm. and there are two reasons for this one is that they have an ARM um, CPU and NVDA won't really be able to work with that due to it's not necessarily that we can't rec NVDA for ARM we, we can do that easy enough but it's actually that due to limitations uh, that the manufacturers are placing on Microsoft Microsoft have had to either uh, um, uh, take out or disable particular features that NVDA needs to actually run, so such as the uh, COM or component object model, which is very important in Windows. That apparently won't work on ARM, uh, ARM devices, which you know pretty much completely um, disables you know 99% of NVDA. Um, okay. I believe that Narrator will still work on these devices. I think. I mean, I'd hate to find out that that wasn't the truth. Um, and there is also another version of Windows 8 called Windows 8 RT, um, which is a I don't not really sure what it is. I think it's sort of a lower, sort of, I don't know, one for more embedded devices or something. Um, NVDA also won't run on that for, for similar similar reasons. So you'll only really see at this point in time NVDA running on the just normal desktops that happen to have a touchscreen. Okay. Because you know I mean? there's a lot of touchscreens on the market, such as you know, like I mean, our family just bought a Dell touchscreen just for a normal desktop, you know, and, and then that'll all work. Oh, that will work then. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Because it's just as long as it runs Windows, normal Windows 8. I think that Microsoft has done a real big deal of, of work uh, to to better support touch for their whole user interface i mean now first and foremost it's it's touch compatible in the sense that touch is almost now overriding the keyboard i mean when i say that i don't want to scare people off i mean you can still use the keyboard fine but just the way that things are placed on the screen things like that mm-hmm. is much more nicer for touch and, and i know that the magnifier has now been updated for so there are touch gestures to move the windows magnifier around and as i've also said um assistive technologies in windows 8 now have full access to the touch screen so they're able to you know hook the screen and do whatever they like with the the information coming from the touch screen mm-hmm. Okay, so for the for the person out there who is saying, well, you know, there's there's a good chance. 
chance I may need to go to Windows 8. Um, would you say that for most people, probably at least in the beginning, uh, most of the time, if you're working on a normal computer or regular computer, Windows 8 really isn't going to be that different or... That's yeah, kind of I, I the, think, that's kind yeah, of the impression I, think, I get. I think that's a fair enough remark. I mean, yes, as we've all heard, the start screen is different. Yes. Right. And, I, and I, I must say, I've heard a lot, even from other other, vent, other assistive technology vendors, almost, in my opinion, almost scaring people away. But I mean, look, yeah, it's different. But we all learn different things. I mean, it's still possible to use everything. Um, you know, all, the only difference is, that, you know, instead of a menu, it's a grid. That's all. So, right. you know, you might use your left and right arrows a bit more. Um, and, but, but really, there's not much difference. Um, um, I think that if you want to use all your normal normal desktop applications. Yep, that's absolutely fine. Nothing but change Internet Explorer works. You can use Firefox, you can use Microsoft Office, all that will be fine. It's when it comes to the, the modern UI applications that you can buy from the Windows Store um, and things like that. They are, I mean, although MBDA does have support for the modern UI in the sense that all our features do work now, we've had to make a lot of sort of changes to our sort of underlying model and things like that mm-hmm. to, to hook in properly. But that all works now, but it's still overall, and this will probably be true for any assistant technology the overall experience in these modern ui applications isn't isn't great i must say it's it's a very different paradigm um and it's very i think a lot of work needs to be done on the side of microsoft and the application vendors themselves um so the people writing the stuff at the windows store um there's a it's very you know it's halfway between the web and half halfway between the web and desktop experience we're really not sure what it's supposed to be yet um i feel that a lot of the new modern sort of web accessibility um aria standards and things like that haven't been really taken into account Count as much as they could be yet, so I think it's a um, it's something to watch out for. You know, over over the coming years, the modern UI may become better for people uh, using assistive technologies. But right now, uh, personally for me anyway, I'm not having too much fun with a lot of the application. Okay. Um, and I don't know if there's too much that NVDA can do mm-hmm. about that. I mean, you know, it's it's look, you know, we're we're working on it all the time as we receive more information or more apps come out. We'll be testing with them, seeing what we can do, and obviously we need more feedback from users. So because obviously Windows 8 is not yet released you know only certain people are using it as more people actually start depending on it for their daily use we'll obviously be hearing a lot more from our users sure. and being to improve things but look as i say if you want to use it the same way you used windows 7 no problems at all you can use windows 8 perfectly but the, mod ui yeah i'm not sure yeah for the for the uh, the 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 normal office type things and that i'm not seeing really that it's that much different and no. e- even your folder file and folder yeah. is pretty much the same and uh, <clears throat> so i did hear somebody talking about uh, the difference between Internet Explorer in the start uh, menu, shall we call it, and whether if you launched it uh, from the desktop or something like that. There are two different versions. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. Okay, so there is now uh, Internet Explorer 10, um, which is, you know, not too much from Internet Explorer, not too much different from Internet Explorer 9, but I'm I'm sure it has some good security fixes, things like that. I mean, sure, there's other features, I just don't remember them. Um, But in general, yeah, it's the same, same product. So now that's if you, but there are two different versions of Internet Explorer 10. So one, if you start it from the the run dialog or you go and find it in Windows Explorer, or you start it from, say, typing in a web address into the run dialog, you'll get the normal Internet Explorer that you've been used to. So it has the full, you know, address bar and the menus and, and everything, all that. However, there's another way to start Internet Explorer from the start screen. Now, if you 
want to sort of talk, um, I don't know, theoretically here, I guess Microsoft would assume that more people will start Internet Explorers from the start screen. So in some ways, it's the more important version. Um, this one is a modern UI version, and it's it's full screen. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think the address bar only sort of shows up if you actually want it or, or something. I, I don't quite follow, but the, the fact is that it's all full screen, and um, and it allows you just to concentrate on the web page rather than all the, the menus and everything, which you may only need at some points. Now, for a very long time, NVIDIA couldn't support that version. However, with 2012.2, uh, with our work with modern UI apps, we were able to overcome the security uh, restrictions, and you can use Internet Explorer, uh, the modern UI version. However, I should point out that you need to install NVDA for that to work. The portable version of NVDA does not have the security, uh, security uh, uh, whatever you call it, it's not allowed to, to access what it needs to. Um, but if you install NVDA on a system, uh, yeah, the modern UI Internet Explorer will work pretty much exactly the same way. You'll be able to access all your web pages, all the same features that you're used to with NVDA, your browser and all that will work fine. Okay. Okay. Um, so probably for most people, at least in the beginning, they certainly probably want to start out with the normal Internet Explorer and then if they do want to do a little plane, maybe they can do that after they get more comfortable with things. That's true. That is true. But obviously there will be a lot of people who will be on the start screen and they'll see Internet Explorer. Most people will probably, even if it is accidental, open that one because it's the easier one to get to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I know I was uh, doing some uh, work with, uh, with with Windows 8 yesterday afternoon with the latest NVDA 2.1. Is that what we call it? And uh, yes. I went into the news uh, app there on the uh, start menu and that seemed to work quite well. Oh, that's good. That's good. We like to hear yeah, that. Yeah, I was, I was quite <laughs> impressed, actually. I was, when I went in, read some articles about Apple and different things, and worked really quite well. Yeah, I, I, I think the problem is, though, that, that we're going to need to work out where... Um, I assume when you use this news app, it was all in browse mode, was it? Um, right. I would assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, now, for some apps, that may not be appropriate, but at the moment, we can't really detect where and when we should or shouldn't do that. So, at the moment, browse mode will always be used for pretty much all modern UI apps, and that may be problematic. So, if you think about maybe the the Windows Store, it might actually be a bit too cluttered to use browse mode, but it will do that by default. You can also always switch to focus mode, but I guess you need to be aware, you know, to, to do that, it might be a bit better. So, yeah, look, there are good apps, there are good modern UI apps and bad modern UI apps, so we'll just see which is good, which is not. But I'm glad that the, the news one is good. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it seemed to work quite well. I was I was pretty impressed with that. With that. I thought I'd be a little a little bit brave and daring anyway. <laughs> so, um, what's going on otherwise? with NV Access. I heard that you took a trip to Japan recently. Yes, so um, thanks to um, support from, uh, I, I guess, Taiwan and and, and the Japanese uh, NVDA team, and also there was a um, Python programming language conference on uh, last week, and through all those people, they sort of were able to, to sponsor my trip over there to Japan. And first and foremost, I, I had to present at the, the Python conference um, about sort of how NVDA uses the Python programming language and stuff like that. So that was very interesting, and I got to, you know, meet quite a few interesting people in the in the Python community, and that was good. But I guess more importantly, um, I got to meet with the Japanese NVDA team. Uh, so, so to fill you in a bit, there is a, a particular project in Japan, a sort of like a special Japanese version of NVDA that has existed for about two years or so, and that um, has had some very specific Japanese features. So, such as you know typing uh, Asian characters and things. But obviously, with our work now to 
to support Asian characters in the official MVDA. We're trying to work closely together to sort of merge the, the two projects um, and make sure that uh, the official MVDA is is offering what it should be offering for Japanese users and, and, and other Asian languages. So it was great to go over there and meet that team um, in person and understand a lot of the the issues that that people are having um, either culturally or development with NVDA. Um, just to fill people in on what we're doing and also for me to understand what's going on on their side also to try and coordinate the idea of funding and things like that you know approaching you know their government and things like that in order to get funding for, for both their project and, and, and things like that so I think it's really important to, to touch base with all the different uh, countries around or, or different um, cultures using NVDA because it really is using I mean look NVDA is being used in more than 120 countries so as I say in Japan uh, China Taiwan everything I mean even I see in the statistics that it's even being used you know we have several in Syria right now using NVDA and Iran and Iraq you know so even in those countries where it's extremely important that their blind and vision impaired people have access to technology even if it's because of you know dangers I mean I was talking with um the DAISY consortium, uh, so someone on the board of the DAISY consortium. Um, so as we know, you know, the, the, the DAISY format is about, you know, getting accessible, um, you know, uh, electronic format uh, mm -hmm. materials. It's not only important for, for developed nations, but even for places, you know, in developing countries where maybe there is big uh, health epidemics, um, or even say in Japan, which is a, a developed country, but of course they have problems with tsunamis and earthquakes and things. It's really important to make sure that uh, people with all disabilities have access to information that can help them deal with these situations. So, for mm -hmm. instance, uh, the DAISY Consortium was talking about things like, you know, access to information about what you should do in a tsunami, you know. Um, right. So, they provide DAISY materials, but at the same time, there needs to be technology to allow blind and vision impaired people to read this stuff. And so, MBDA can play a very big role in that as a, as a free product. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you receive all these electronic materials, but you also then have a free screen reader uh, to access materials. Um, so, you know, so that's an important thing. So, as I say, you know, MBDA is really getting into many different countries around the world it's not you know it, it's not just say australia and america and things like that it's in fact it's more important in these other countries now i think it's really exciting that you're already doing that and it's, it's getting acceptance uh, all over the all over the world it's it's pretty neat uh you were talking about the uh, daisy consortium it's just been uh, a couple of weeks ago we had well, the last part of a three-part series that a uh, fellow did uh, on the daisy production software uh free daisy production software software from the DAISY Consortium, and he used NVDA for the entire review, and it did quite well. That was very impressive. Well, we are uh, are really looking forward to release three coming out, and uh, it sounds like there's some really neat new stuff coming out, and a lot of good support for uh, a lot of the applications and so forth that people uh, need to be able to use, and uh, it's really good, again, to have you on with us and uh, hear what's going on and what you been up to and where things are going and i want to thank you again thank for you. coming on thank you I, I just want to also mention that um we're also envy access is going to be uh in the uh participating in the world blind union uh general assembly this year in november that's in um, bangkok in thailand and this is the first time that envy access has been able to to go to one of these so it's going to be really exciting for us and i think it gives us a great platform to communicate with as you know as we were talking about you know the NBDA being in all these different countries mm -hmm. um it's going to give us a good, good opportunity
opportunity to 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 work with all these people. Um, and and the Worldwide Union is an extremely important um, group, I think. So um, and to 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 get us uh, over there, um, uh, I want to thank the um, International Council for the Education of People with Vision Impairments, as ISV. Um, they're uh, providing some funding, and also uh, Vision Australia, who are also providing funding as well for MB access. So that's that's great to see. Okay. Let me ask you a question that just came up in my mind, and other people may have the. Uh, that have used NVDA or would be using it in the future. Let's say, uh, let's say you have NVDA, the current version of NVDA installed in your system, and you want to generate a portable version, which you can do from the installed version. Mm-hmm. When you do that, does it carry over uh, the settings that you had in the version on uh, the installed version? Uh, yes, it, it does, but there is a um, there is an option you have to so it, it will ask you whether you want to or not. Um, sorry, but yes, it does. It has a checkbox. Uh, so when you it asks you where you want to, where, you know, where your USB key is or, or wherever you want to place your portable version, there is also a checkbox. I think saying you know whether you want to copy your user configuration. Um, okay. So if that's checked, it will copy the, the setting over. Now it is worth noting though that if you have a lot of add-ons installed, especially the say the Nuance Vocalizer add-ons, um, that could be extremely large. So you want to make sure you have enough space. Right, 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 right. Yeah, if you got a if you got a thirty two gig key, you'll probably be all right. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> Certainly. Um, I'm just thinking. Did, did we mention Nuance Vocalizer in the last um, in the last main menu uh, interview? Or not? No, we didn't. Okay, could we um, sure just talk about that for a second? So maybe, uh, um, maybe uh, support for any of the synthesizers. I I know there's uh, several new ones around, and uh, there, there's some that are supported by some of the the add-ins also. That's true. That's very true. So um, yeah, well, firstly, just talking about add-ons. So um, as we've mentioned, we do have add-ons now, which makes it really easy to to get you know the features and stuff. So there are heaps of add-ons all around the net. There are several, I guess you call them add-on repositories, around um, listing a bunch of add-ons. Um, NV Access sort of has an official page, but we hardly ever update it. We are, I know that the community is working on now an official add-ons repository, which will uh, be coming sort of ready to use soon, and that, that will eventually become the official one. But until then, um, just you know, have a look around on the web, and you'll find heaps of them. Um, and there are certainly some add-ons for various synthesizers. I know there's some add-ons now for some hardware synths. I think I want for like for I think for Deck Talk, Triple Talk, and things like that. There are a few floating around. Um, I can't officially guarantee um, how well they work, and I'm not you know being mean about that i just haven't tried them and they're obviously not sure. officially from from us they're right. just from the community um i'm sure they, they work very well i'm sure i just have tested them mm-hmm. um but there are also oh, of course we've repackaged our festival and svox uh, free synthesizers as, as add-ons now and you can get to them from the mvda website as well but one uh synthesizer people will find uh quite useful is uh nuance vocalizer now many people will be familiar with the nuance vocalizer voices on the iphone uh, and on the mac um uh supports about 36 different languages. Uh, there's both premium and compact versions of these voices. Um, for Australians, this is uh, quite nice because there is a, a really nice, two really, very, really nice Australian voices. Yes. And it's sometimes very hard to get Australian synth. Um, so, so that's good. Um, now this Nuance Vocalizer, so there is, there are NVDA add-ons for, for Nuance Vocalizer, which can be used with NVDA 12.2 or higher. Um, these do come at a cost, though. They are commercial. They cost about 75 euros, which is roughly 95 Australian, so probably makes it about maybe 100 US or something, maybe a bit under. Um, can't quite remember. But um, now, is that for the whole set? Uh, yes, it's for the whole set. So there are two. So when you when you buy when you buy your license for them, you can then download. There's one add-on which you need need to download, which is sort of the, the base driver, the, the sort of the runtime engine. And then there is a bunch of other add-ons which contain one or more um, various voices or, or languages in various. Uh, 
um, uh, qualities, you know, whether it's compact or premium or standard or whatever. And you can download, download as many of these as you like and as many times as you like, it doesn't matter, um, as long as you, you have your a sort of base driver licensed um, you know, because you purchased it. Um, so there's many different add-ons uh, uh, available. Um, so you, you have access to all 36 languages, which is more than about, I think it's about 50 voices or something because many languages have more than one mm-hmm. uh, voice. For instance, Australian has Lee and Karen. Right. The US, I think, has quite a few different ones and things like that. So <clears throat> they're all available. Um, NB Access doesn't sell this directly, but we do receive proceeds. So we usually receive either 10 or 15%, depending on who you buy from, um, uh, as we receive that as a donation. Um, they're officially sold by Tiflotechnia, which is a Portuguese uh, technology company, um, but they can also be resold by uh, for, well, in the US, uh, you can buy it from the AT guys, um, and there are a few other companies which I can't remember off the top of my head, but just have a look around. We do mention them. We have links to them on our website and stuff like that. So, look, you know, as we always say, it's not necessary to buy this stuff. You know, MVDA will always be free, but if you want, you know, you know, you know, extra you know, extra niceties, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, people might buy extra of something for their car or whatever it's the same thing you know you know previously you know if you if you did buy something like your, you know your real speak voices which were similar to vocalizer mm-hmm. they were sappy 5 you had to install them on each system now because you can install them inside nvda you can carry them with you on oh, anyone's okay. computer okay there okay. are limitations in license though you, i think you can only use them in sort of like three computers or, or something like that but oh, I mean, okay you can read, read your license mm-hmm. so, yeah. mm-hmm. okay all right well again i want to thank you michael for coming on domain menu and talking about um the Windows 8 and release 12, uh, 2012 release 3 and and so forth and uh, want to wish, wish you all the best for the upcoming release and for NVDA in general and NV Access and keep in touch with us. Thank you very much. We'll do. Well, what we want to do today is give you a basic introduction to some of the major differences and changes in Windows 8. This is not a full introduction. We'll introduce you to more features as we go along in Windows 8 and throughout the next couple of months and not try to cram everything in for you today just as with mountain lion and lion as we have done in the, in the past here on main menu we've not tried to fill your head with everything in one fell swoop and then have you totally confused but we're going to take a little slow give you the some main ideas and and kind of introduce you to it and get you where you see uh, how accessible it is what the changes are what is the same and how you can use Windows 8 for the sake of today's demonstration and explanation for a computer I am using a a computer that is a laptop with 4 gig of memory a 1.6 gigahertz dual core processor so it's not a new computer by any means uh, in fact this computer originally came actually with a copy of Windows XP on it and I have updated it now to Windows 8 consumer preview and it does have all the latest updates and so basically since we're within a re- week of the release of Windows 8 it basically at this point has everything that the first release of Windows 8 should have in it if you were to go out to the store and purchase a copy of Windows 8 once it becomes available later this week and today is the 21st of October so we're real close to that 26th of October release date we're within a week all right a couple of things that you may want to know 
if you read something about Windows 8 RT, know that that is not the version for a desktop uh, or laptop computer. That is a version that would go on a Windows tablet. It is completely different. It does not run the same applications that you run on your laptop or your desktop Windows machine. Uh, it is a touch screen, just about like if you've seen the iPad or an iPhone, it would be similar to operation of uh, an iPad uh, in that it's a tablet. Some of the, the ways of getting around it are going to be similar. And there is a version of at least one of the screen readers that is going to support that. But I don't want to go further than that and get you confused. What we're going to be looking at is the regular Windows 8 for PCs. And in my case, I am, I am using this on a four-year-old Dell Latitude laptop with 4 gig of memory and a 1.6 dual core processor so it's not would not definitely be considered a power machine and I think that, that this will give you a good idea of what you can do with an existing computer that you may have that you're thinking about maybe moving up to Windows 8. One of the things in, about Windows 8 is there's been kind of a shift away from necessarily using the desktop as much as you have in past versions of Windows and moving more to having a lot of the standard things that a lot of people use every day uh, in a start menu. And the start menu has changed a bit from what it was in Windows 7. And so one of the first things I want you to take a look at after we look and see what I have on my desktop, let's go, we'll go to the start menu and see what's changed there. If you're used to Windows 7, I'm going to point out what some of those changes are from Windows 7 or Windows XP up to Windows 8 and kind of show you around a little bit and give you an idea of what's going on there and then we'll talk just a little bit about some of the things that have stayed the same and that will be our coverage for today all right so i have already booted up i am on the desktop and let's just take a look at what i have on my desktop uh first thing i have at the top is the recycle bin Adobe Reader's Eye. And then Adobe Reader. FS Reader 2.0. And FS Reader. JAWS 14.0. And JAWS 14. NVDA. And NVDA. Super Anti-Spyware Free Edition. Super Anti-Spyware. And that's all that's on my desktop, actually. That's all. You don't see, you know, Microsoft Word or any of that on my desktop. Now I'm going to hit the Start key, which... In Windows 7, as you will know, if I hit the Windows key, I'm going to end up in a search box and I can type in what I'm looking for or want to run um, and hit enter and bring up whatever it is. Like I could type in Word and it would bring up link for Microsoft Word if I had that on my computer. And I could just simply hit enter and it would bring it up. Well, you're going to see that we don't come to a search box this time. And so let's go there and see what we find when we go to the start menu. Start screen. Mel. Justin Coughlin via LinkedIn. Join my network on LinkedIn. From Justin Coughlin view profile right double angle bracket panis slash composer slash arranger slash educator six shared connections I. Expanded. Column one. Row one. One of fifteen. All right. So 
it came up and it read part of the first or the most recent email that I've gotten and it puts me on the email tile in the top left hand corner of my start menu grid uh, and I am in row one, column one, all right? And the other thing you may have heard is it said row one, column one of 15, which means there are 15 possible different choices in the start menu. And you probably heard it said mail expanded. And as we go through here, we're going to see that some of these are expanded and we'll soon see what the difference is between whether it's a, a simple tile or an expanded tile. Now, the basic grid is five across and four down. And so if I had actually had five across and four down, I would have a total of 20 choices. But because some of them are columns are expanded, some of, of the tiles are expanded, we don't actually have 20 choices. And we're going to see that we already have this first one here. Mail is expanded. And so if I go right, I'm going to go from column one, row one. I'm going to hit my right arrow. Calendar 21, Sunday, expanded, column three. And now I'm still on row one, but I'm on column three. I went from row one, column one to row one, column three, because the mail tile was expanded to take up both columns one and column two in row one. And you notice when I came to calendar, it told me what the date it was today. Tell me today was the 21st, uh, and if I had had an appointment today, it would have read me what that appointment was. And that's even without hitting the enter key to go into the calendar. If I wanted to actually go in and manipulate the calendar or do things with the calendar, I would simply hit enter there. All right, now let's move to the right again. Internet Explorer, column five. All right, Internet Explorer. And just to let you know, the Internet Explorer there is one of the new type of Windows applications. Uh, it's not the standard Internet Explorer that you're used to and is not quite as accessible as the normal Internet Explorer. And we'll talk about how you can get the regular Internet Explorer and you don't have to use this one. Uh, and we will show you that here in just a little bit. All right, I'm gonna hit the right arrow again here in a minute, but you notice when we landed on Internet Explorer, it said column five, but it didn't say expanded. And that means it's only using one tile. So now when I hit the right arrow. Store, column six. All right, and now it says column six, and it says store, and that's the Microsoft Store, and that's where you can go and buy uh, additional applications for your Windows 8 PC. And that was in column six. So in this particular setup, because I've added a few things, it's kind of changed things around a little bit. Uh, but as you can see, as I move between the choices, it's reading them to me and I know exactly what's there. Now I'm going to hit my down arrow and go to row two. Sky Drive, row two. All right, now it says SkyDrive. And one of the things you're gonna notice here, the top cells, cell one on that top row was the Microsoft Store. Now I move down 
the column down column six and what I've come to is SkyDrive which is a, is the Microsoft we'll call it the Microsoft equivalent of Dropbox it's where you can store documents and so forth uh, different files that you want to have available whether you're at your computer or at somebody else's computer or at your SkyDrive account on the web you can access those documents and files through the SkyDrive web page and so here we're looking at things that are strictly some Microsoft things. So let's go down to row three. Music expanded. Column five. Music. Row three. Now it says music has expanded. And actually it is columns five and six. But the reason they've expanded that is number one they wanted to give you more room there plus again music is one of those things that is tied to the Microsoft Store and to the Xbox Store because basically uh, sort of like people can do on the Apple with iTunes uh, you now can go and, and because you have a live account if you do have a live account you can sign up for the Xbox Store which is not just Xbox not just games it's videos it's music it's all kind of entertainment and so again Again, it's a Microsoft thing, and so that is, again, included under this column of all Microsoft things. So let's go down to row four. Xbox Live Games, row four. Uh -huh. And there's Xbox games, and as I said, of course, that is definitely a Microsoft thing. Well, now that I'm down to row four, let's go to the left. Let's use our left arrow and go left in our start grid here. Weather, 59 degrees, Burnsville, mostly cloudy, 69 degrees slash 50 degrees, 27 image, expanded, column three. All right, so now I'm on the weather tile, which is again an expanded tile, which means it's taking column three and column four. I haven't gone into the weather application, but it's already right here on my start menu, showing me a lot of the information that is available to me if I go into the weather app. So it's told me what the temperature is here. It's told me what the forecasted temperature highs are going to be, high is going to be today and the low today. And so I get the basic information without even going there. But if I want to go there, it's right here on Start Menu. If I want to go and check out the weather, check out the forecast for the next week. All right. And I'm going to left arrow again. Desktop expanded. Column one. All right. Now when I left arrow, it says desktop. And I'm on the desktop tile, which is an expanded tile, which means it's using columns one and two of row four. And so I could hit enter and go to the desktop front right from the start menu using the desktop tile. Let's hit the up arrow. Messaging expanded. Row three. All right. If I had a messaging account, if I had something like uh, live messaging, it would be there and it would show me any uh, recent messages that I've gotten. Uh, and it would show uh, any other messaging applications that I use could be shown there. Now, I'm now back on column one and I've moved up to row three. And so if I move up. People expanded. Row two. I'm at people. Mail. Ryan Mann. And recall and copy. And I moved up up column one up to the top and I'm back to mail. So in that first column, I have mail, people, 
and messaging and then desktop if i move across calendar 21 there was the calendar and look what happens if i go down photos expanded row two photos video expanded row three okay weather 59 degrees Burnsville. Right. so hopefully that begins to give you an idea of how the start menu is set up and actually my start menu does have a few other things on it there is a tile for super index spyware there's a tile for jaws there's a tile for nvda there's a tile for the configuration panel for nvda there's a, a tile for an alternate startup for super Andy spyware but anyway, hopefully that gives you an idea of how the start menu is set up in a grid. And once you get used to using that grid, it's very easy to go to exactly where you want to go to if one of the things you want to use happens to be in that grid. Now, what if I wanted to use Windows Explorer just as a for example? Well, with Windows 7, I came up and I was in a search box and I could just type Windows E and it would come up and say Windows Explorer. I could hit enter and there off we would go. But there isn't any search box here in this start menu. So how would I do that? Well, actually what happens is I'm sitting in the start menu and I'm going to type Windows W I Windows Explorer Windows Explorer All right when I type the first letter the if I start typing in the start grid it puts up a search box and now everything I type from then on actually is in a search box and again it came up with me for me Windows Explorer and I'm going to hit enter Libraries, items view, multi-select list box, not selected documents, library, one of two, not selected documents. All right, and it's now looking exactly like Windows 7 because when I first go into Windows Explorer, where am I setting? I'm setting on the library, and so now I can do a shift tab. Shift tab, tree view, tree view, libraries opened, four items, All right, and move through or expand items, right use arrow. the arrow, level two, documents closed, one of four. And right arrow again. Documents opened, two items, level three, my documents, public documents. And so once I'm into Windows Explorer, if you're used to using uh, Windows 7 and using Windows Explorer and Windows 7, for example, you will find that your Windows Explorer has not changed again a bit. I'm moving around in Windows Explorer, creating folders, moving to folders, moving to files, all of that has remained the same. The search box that you get when you went to the start menu in Windows 7 has disappeared, but will come back as soon as you type the first letter of anything you want to search for and you are sitting on the start grid. All right, I'm going to go ahead now and get out of Windows Explorer with an Alt F4. Alt F4. Well, you may be saying, well, okay, so I'm used to Windows 7, but since I don't come up in uh, a start menu like I do in Windows 7, what about that simple thing of where I can go to the start menu in Windows 7, hit the right arrow, and I'm on the shutdown button, and I hit enter and shut down Windows. Well, we are back to you do an Alt F4 uh, from the start grid or from the desktop and you'll get your typical Windows shutdown menu just like you have in past versions of Windows.
those are some of the very basic first things that you're going to run into in Windows 8. I hope that gives you a little bit of a basic introduction and gives you the idea that, that the start menu is definitely accessible. And as you can see just from what you saw there on the tiles in the start menu, as you can see the email application built in to Windows 8 is quite accessible. It reads everything reads quite well. It's a basic it's a very basic email program but it is very accessible very usable the calendar is very usable the weather app is very usable the news app which we did not see but was in another one of the columns that we did move to is quite accessible uh, a lot of the things are very accessible we'll take a look later at the media as far as using uh, the media player and the music store uh, and a later coverage. But that is some of the basics of Windows 8 and I hope this basic introduction kind of begins to give you an idea that maybe things aren't so bad. Things haven't really maybe changed all that much. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon.